0: You know, the relation between patience and passion is essential. Mm. Both nurse each other. And then the next point is experience.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Swiss Triplets with Arthur Natick. My name is Arthur Natick. Thank you so much for tuning in again. Today marks the very first episode of this series we are starting now where we are going to um, actually meet a bunch of people, a lot of people that I admire a lot from the Swiss music scene and uh, yeah, basically have a conversation have I've been um gathering a bunch of questions about things I wanted to talk about uh, regarding the Swiss music scene, but also just music in general and basically share with you guys some uh, background about why I think this place is special, but also some of the challenges that we face. And uh, today I'm very uh, happy and honored to have Nick Bertsch on the show. really hope you guys know Nick Berch's music already. He's been creating really interesting music for a long time and, and I've been a fan. It's really cool to have uh, the possibility to just meet him kind of regularly uh, and talk about music and talk about his uh, perception of being um, an international jazz musician coming from Switzerland. And so, yeah, this is what we're going to be diving in today. I am now in Zurich, Switzerland, very much in the center of the city. And I'm crossing a bridge. The bridge that uh, makes the separation between the seal and the Limat, those two rivers uh, in the middle of the city. And I'm on my way to Nick Bertsch's home. Before I switch around to the actual recording of our meeting, I'm just gonna share with you guys a funny memory that I have about his band Ronin. I remember this moment very clearly. I was living in New York City and my friend Mike Rood, uh, shout out to Mike if you're listening, (laughs) He basically told me one one time, just, hey, come with me. I'm going to listen to this band tonight. And it's it's a band from Switzerland. Do you know them? And I'm very ashamed. But actually, I didn't know about Ronin at that time. And Mike was really like, you should you should check it out. It's really cool. And I'm they're playing tonight. So I was really lucky that they were coming to New York City to play at Le Poisson Rouge, this very cool venue. In New York City and I just went there without really knowing much about the background of this band and it was a great experience I really loved the show I was really so impressed by the style of music and so inspired by the way it was presented it was really like a real show you know they had a nice light visual like a visual concept around the music and it was really yeah it was just really cool and i was so inspired and basically left buying this uh, ecm live record that they were promoting at the time and uh yeah up on, until today it's one of my favorite ronin records and i listen to it very regularly and so yeah I, it's today i think back about this memory of how I discovered Nick's music and then basically was listening to this record all the time and I emailed Nick and I was like I'm this Swiss student living in New York and I'm playing the drums and I love your music I actually have a few questions about this tune and that tune it was very specific stuff and Nick was so cool he just answered the email and sent me some PDFs of the charts and he was really very... Uh, generous about sharing his music and yeah um, some years later I actually met him in Zurich and I went to his uh, Monday residencies and uh, yeah I've been seeing him uh, ever since so yeah I'm very happy to share this uh, moment we had together in in his uh, apartment the other day and so there it is uh, Nick Berch.
0: When I started playing music, I was really a kid, so I started with drums first and then with piano a bit later in uh, primary school. And in that time, when I started, I didn't think about nationalities or where somebody's coming from, but I remember being six, uh, six seven years old and having concerts in the neighborhood, in a cultural center, uh, seeing, for example, Birelli Lagren play or uh, Peter Brutzmann playing, but also local musicians playing like uh, Daniel Schneider or people like this, Uh, young bands, older bands. And I didn't think about where they're coming from, but I just listened. And when we also made usually in summer holidays, trips to other countries. My mother and my stepfather also went with us to concerts. And I remember when I was about nine, we went to Romania and we listened to a lot of Romanian folk music and bought even beautiful records that I still listen to. Mm -hmm. So in that time, I didn't think about that this has a national meaning or that uh, the, the label of a country is important for a music. And then my mother, uh, f- for my birthday, gave me a record by Vince Weber, who was a German boogie boogie player, actually. Mm. So that was uh, one of my first records, and it was called The Boogie Man, I think. <laughs> but he's a very known German boogie boogie okay. player. And so So I didn't realize where this is all coming from. I just liked it very much. And then through this uh, teacher, I learned a lot about uh, jazz in general, started to read the the books by Behrendt, the German writer, about jazz. And then, of course, this American thing and uh, the background of jazz and development in a historical sense, but also a bit in a cliché sense, started to to be more present. Mm-hmm. But during that time, I also listened to a lot of music. There were no boundaries at home, also not in terms of styles. So I was not aware that this might be also an economical factor or a, a factor to be more present and known in the world of music. Uh, a factor where you're coming from. Mm-hmm. And then I started to listen to to kind of heroes like Chick Corea and Herbie Hancock and all the the known American players, but at the same time also listen to a lot of different musics from all over the world, and also listen to a lot of classical rhythmic music like Bartok, for example. I had a huge collection of of, uh, original recordings uh, from Bartok uh, music from actually Hungary and Romania mm-hmm. and so this organically developed and at the same time I played already with Kasper Ross, the drummer together, we we started to play together when we were kids, I was 10 and he was 9. Oh, really? wow. And that means that our bands and the way how we played music was, was very fresh and then when we were teenagers, this developed in Zurich into that uh, scene in the Bacillus Club. Mm -hmm. And we jammed there and we got in contact with a lot of of, uh, players from the scene here. And in the Bacillus Club was was also a certain uh, mix. Uh, It was not mainly jazz, but more groove-oriented, African, underground, urban beat-oriented music. Uh, But the background, of course, was also the old times from the the Africana Club in Zurich and, you know, this appreciation of jazz and the very known figures like Abdullah Ibrahim from South Africa, but also the free jazz scene from Switzerland with Irene Schweitzer and Pierre Favre and these people. Although this was not so much groove-oriented, but in that time that all uh, was cooking together, so, this was an influence. So, for me, it was not even there. Primarily, uh, I was not oriented towards America or somewhere. And I decided to study classical music because I didn't know that uh, so well yet. I started with 16 to play classical music. And I had huge respect and thought, as a pianist, this is good to check it out. But also, maybe because the tradition was kind of longer back, so it's a general European tradition and somehow I also wanted to study that. Then I was in the middle of all these musical styles with all sort of influences, but through that playing and uh, the, the time where I played more and more avant-garde classical music, jazz, funk, a lot of Latin music, different styles, I suddenly felt a bit homeless and realized that that uh, I'm actually not feeling all these styles that they're generated out of me, my tradition, my background, whatever it is. And I started to ask the question, what in music is actually universal, what's cultural and what's individual? And through that process, I came more to that uh, personal perspective on reductionism, groove-oriented, composed music in a way. That was a process to really ask myself what's important for me and where I also have an intuitive connection to, where my affinity lays. And in that time also my interest in Japanese culture and Japanese music was raising more and more and started to do uh, martial arts. And so my own way developed. And the more that was present, the more I was present with my music And my bands over the region, then in Switzerland in general. And then the next question came, how does this get international? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Um, The more really this question came, what is Swiss music and suddenly some people asked that question, what is actually Swiss in this music and and, uh, what's the Swiss scene and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. So then I started more concretely to think about that and also what the terms mean and since I also started to play with different people and also sometimes even organize a concert I started to realize that a country is also a label for music and that for example when you have a band and you have Have behind the band name you have USA or or, uh, UK or something, and even Norway, for example, then suddenly the value of the band is is better than a Swiss band. Mm -hmm. And that was in the beginning of my career very strong, the case. So I started to reflect that, and I also wanted to develop a way my own that included the local uh, roots but also the perspective onto the world. And then I realized that Switzerland has a very special uh, position in general in the world because it's not really part of the European Union, uh, European organized countries with a huge history actually starting uh, in 19th century and before why this is actually the case and there are good reasons for it. Um, although you can criticize them. But Switzerland had a special place, which meant that, on one hand, it is not so connected to the rest, with the, because there are clear borders. But the on, on the other hand, it's also quite respected as a, as a soft, neutral country, especially in the arts, where... Nobody was fearing the power of Swiss art, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there was always in literature, in especially in the arts, especially in aesthetics, in graphic design, uh, there was always a very uh, strong Swiss line, even with different uh, cities that was respected. And my parents are more in fashion and, and design and uh, graphic design, so... There Switzerland had a super extreme good that's, reputation. That's and yeah, when true. I was in when I was in Japan, I realized also that Switzerland had a good reputation. It was quite known as a country politically but also in design. Mm-hmm. And also um, handcraft quality and stuff. Yeah. So that led me to the to the point where the cliches started to be interesting. That for example, chocolate watches uh, and a lot of products that we deliver to the world have a certain quality of handcraft so very often we don't have the the, the sources the the resources stuff is not growing here or is not produced here but but we uh, we make it better, we combine it, we create the products that are interesting. So this Swiss quality that was somehow a cliche <laughs> uh, in chocolate, in cheese, in watches, wherever suddenly I've started to be interesting and I thought that's, that's really a strength that is world known. So I started to work with that also. And then we had, um, for example, in newspapers, uh, like sentences like uh, Ronin, my band is the, the Swiss clockwork of mm. music business, or or uh, Was Ronin. Was early
1: on in the development? of Yeah, the
0: band? that started quite when we got known more internationally. Yeah. Or, or or Ronin is the Helvetica font ah, of yeah, Swiss yeah. music of mm. of music in general, and so yeah. stuff like this. So. And there I started to realize that the brand is an advantage and a disadvantage also. But in that time when we started, like in the, uh, around the year 2000, started to play more internationally and very slowly started to build up this connection and network, Switzerland as a brand for music, especially in groove music, was really not existing. Right. And when you asked somebody at the London Jazz Festival when we played there or on US tours where we started in playing in 2006 then, uh, when, when you asked somebody if they knew a, a player from Switzerland, almost um, n- nobody knew really right. known bands. But then, when you dig, were digging a little deeper, then suddenly there were a few bands, and there are a lot of influential Swiss bands actually, that are not didn't get so popular like American or UK bands, or also from other European countries. And it's it was really a problem that there was not a lot of international experiences in Swiss music scene because the country is so small, and you have three parts. Uh, uh, four languages, but mainly three parts um, uh, in Switzerland. And even for German-speaking bands, it was difficult to play in uh, the French-speaking part and opposite. Mm-hmm. So the the business was so small and the numbers are so small when you sell records or produce music that there there was not there still is not really a big music business mm-hmm. even tv stations have very small influence on music production for example The Bayerische Rundfunk in Germany is bigger than the whole Swiss television and stuff like this. So it's simply too small. The numbers are too low. Nobody can, or just a few people can live out of music. And the international connection is quite small. So so this was a, a problem, although there is a lot of funding and a lot of support for for the music in Switzerland itself, itself, in classical music, in jazz, and this also was growing during the 80s and 90s, um, the international connection was not so big. Mm. And also important labels now in our field, like uh, ECM or other, other labels, had not so many Swiss artists, although there were. But this started to change um, and I think it had to do with a few people and figures and bands and that constantly started to work more internationally oriented and also a lot of people who went away like you for example who went uh, to the US or to other places were studying there, playing there, playing with a lot of uh, international artists or people like Shosho Mayer or... or, um, Uh, other artists who became normally internationally connected and also started to show that over 10, 20 years you can build up uh, a community, a fan base and get uh, very internationally oriented. But it was a a slow process that I think have to do mainly with two things. One is the out side world, like I was describing it, Swiss music business is too small. The numbers are too small and it's not really connected over the borders. Mm. Um, In terms of selling, stores, uh, export, you know, all these practical figures. And on the other hand, it had to do with a lot of musicians also that... In Switzerland, you can make a living also with several jobs, several parts. You can teach. You can actually earn a lot of money with teaching, for example. Good jobs on music universities, on smaller music schools. You have a lot of possibilities to have a a life as a player, but 50% with something else. So Switzerland has a high living standard and... This is, on the other hand, also something that maybe blocks a lot of people that they go for the loss, that they really Mm -hmm. sacrifice their life for being musicians and for competing internationally. And competing is not only meant against somebody, but is competing for yourself, your reputation for your band, and also for investing and risking your whole life to build that up. And I think that's a that's a thing in Switzerland itself that is also, you know, an advantage and a disadvantage. So, so you have a lot of choices, and many musicians have a lot of choices, and they quickly lose three, four, five years by doing too many different things and not focusing on bringing that out and investing. Five years to make the thing known, another five years to stay on an international level, and another five years to grow uh, and develop. And this this uh, is a major point, so that we had not a lot of role models that did that, and uh, and that was my main point. That I thought, if we want to change something, then we we need to develop role models. We need to show that you can work here, be locally, uh, have uh, um, local roots, but touring internationally and going out, working with international labels, partners, producers, and to create finally a reputation where people suddenly say, oh, that's this Swiss music. That's interesting. There is a Swiss scene. Oh, interesting. A lot of drummers are coming from Switzerland. Why has Switzerland so many good drummers? And suddenly... Questions or um, raising where you maybe don't even know an answer, but it's in the heads. When I had this development more towards my own inner connection to music, what I really liked, what I wanted to compose, where I wanted to invest and with whom I wanted to play, um, I created these music rituals with the, with the acoustic band and I wrote a piece already for my diploma at the uh, University of Arts in Zurich. And then we created these long music rituals, 36-hour rituals in a special place with uh, special circumstances. And there we had a a review in the NZZ, in that time, best newspaper for serious art reception, in a way. And there was just a little kind of um, review and I knew in that mo- moment, okay, that's the first step that a, a good newspaper, you know, reacts on something we do. But this is a really tiny step compared to the fact that uh, New York Times or the Times in London or, or uh, the FAZ in Frankfurt or um, other newspapers in the world react on that, that have an exploding, huge, bigger... Mm-hmm. Um, uh, range of of uh, um, presence, mm-hmm. and when I was in Japan also 2003 2004, I realized there also what a newspaper means. They have uh, you know they have so, so m- much more um, Power, readers and powers. Yeah. Uh, so so when uh, when I realized that, I thought okay, that's that needs a lot of uh, patience. And passion to build that up step by step. And don't do it too fast, otherwise, it's too exhausting. So, you need to do it really step by step, building it up, having a working band, having finally also, like our Monday series, a home base where you can work. Finally, you know, it started step by step, uh, Süddeutsche Zeitung once suddenly heard a, um, a record uh, and the journalists came to the Bacillus Club and then ECM came. Okay. We started with that 2004 and that created already um, an impact uh, that in German newspapers, in the Zeit and the Süddeutsche Zeitung uh, were reflected and, mm. and seen and there were important articles. Also a show from the jazz festival Schaffhausen was uh, reviewed very well, and then uh, I was already in touch with uh, ECM producer Monfred Eicher in that time, what to, to bring in, but then it got s- faster and faster because the pressure from inside started to grow and also the reputation started to grow. Mm-hmm. But also there I knew that uh, this this is not the end, that if if we want to have one international record like Stoa the first, that's a first step. Uh, but... It doesn't necessarily mean that there is a, a second one and the, and so on. So this this is also difficult sometimes for Swiss artists because they have no stories how this works. How long actually also known people from the US, known bands from all over the world, how long they had until they were internationally popular we usually see that in a magazine or hear it on the radio and then it's already there right right. but they don't see bands growing up around boston then next states then the next there we don't hear anything about them (laughs) until it comes to our clubs and our festivals right and then it's so clearly there and they already played so much that it's it's simply there and i knew that 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 we need to really go a long way until this presence of, hey, simply there, until this happens.
1: I love this. This is a classic reminder that uh, patience is the key. Thank you so much for listening and please join us again for the second part of this interview very soon.